This is the Braver Podcast, episode eight. Welcome to the Braver Podcast, the podcast that's focused on helping real estate business owners to transition from doing it all themselves to building a true business that creates freedom for them. Each week, we grow braver together by focusing on facing the fears and what we're avoiding to grow to the next level. If you want to hear more about building a true business, getting motivation and encouragement, leadership, spirituality, and growing braver, you found the right podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I've got Henry Washington on today. Super pumped for you to hear this interview that I did with him. We were talking about his business, how he's ventured into some uh, training and educational stuff, which requires him, it's been requiring him to adjust uh, his business, his real estate business, and then and then this new business so that he can leverage his time better because he was he had anxiety around uh, getting to the important things, the important tasks of working on his businesses, right? That he'd just be too busy to get to that stuff that we all know is super critical. So that's really the focus of the show. And uh, I like the way he that they, he talks about setting up his marketing and his real estate business to be mostly hands-off so that he can do the high leverage stuff of working with sellers, getting under contract. And then on his other business, like having social media handled by some VAs and other stuff, so that he's able to strategically work on where his company is going and what he's doing with his time. So great episode. Hope you enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we were talking after the show, you didn't hear this part in the show, about uh, Forefront and how that could be leveraged as well to uh, help his business really stay on track of what's going on with his business. That's what that's all about. And that's the sponsor of the show. So I got to put it in there, Forefront CRM for your real estate investing business. Um, if you want, you can head over to ForefrontCRM.com framework. That's ForefrontCRM.com framework. There you can get my No Lead Left Behind framework, which helped us go from uh, roughly one out of every 45 leads becoming a deal back when I wrote Flipping Houses Exposed. That's when we were still doing everything in our business to building out a business that was a true business having a team and getting to where we were about one out of every five, one out of every seven leads becoming a deal. The framework that came from all that, that transition, you can get right now at ForefrontCRM.com slash framework. All right, let's get into the show with Henry. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got Henry Washington. He's an author, entrepreneur, real estate investor with more than 65 rental units and dozens of house splits under his belt. He's been featured in numerous online television publications like Fox, Business Morning Show, FBN AM, Yahoo Finance, Business Insider, NBC, CBS, pretty much everywhere, right? Do I need to <laughs> bigger pockets where he enjoys showing others the power of real estate investing and financial freedom? Uh, Henry, his wife, Jessica, and their two daughters live and invest in Northwest Arkansas. How's it going, Henry? It's great, man. Thank you for having me. I, I love this stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, man. I, I'm. Uh, you you commented on an Instagram post, and I just felt calls like I got to get him on the show. Yeah, man. That's the way the world works now. Any more thought than that? So, uh, and then you were telling me that uh, back on the Flipping Junkie podcast, probably three years ago, you were on there, and I interviewed you 
Um, yep. So it's, it's awesome to catch up and we're going to find out what's changed for you since then. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's get into that. I mean, where, if you would, for people that haven't heard that episode, just a quick intro to your getting into real estate investing and then progress. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 had, uh, I had reached out to you way back when, so I was just getting started then. And I think I'd, I'd gotten up to like 20 some odd doors in like my first year. And um, I sent you a note, just really a note of appreciation because when I first got started in real estate, your podcast, the Flipping Junkie podcast was one that really resonated with me. And I kind of like binged on it before I ever took any action because I, like you, was a technology guy. So I was in the IT industry and uh, was looking for a way to build wealth. I, I saw that like, so the, the story goes, I got married pretty quick. So I went from single to married in like literally one year to the day. And so working in IT, I made a great salary, but I had no financial education. So I was, I was spending more than I made. And so it doesn't matter if you make six figures, five figures, no figures. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money after you pay your bills, you're broke. Right. And so like, um, and then when you get married, like you realize that like, yeah, I can do that when I'm single, but now that I'm married, living mm -hmm. a lifestyle where you're spending all your excess cash probably just isn't, isn't going to get you there. And so I turned to real estate as a way to build wealth because of the flexibility real estate provides you to be able to invest, even if you don't have a ton of cash flow put away. So I just did a whole lot of research and started figuring out how I could dive in. And I bought my first property. Um, I leveraged the 401k that my wife has to pull out the down payment that we needed, bought the property, then took a line of credit on the equity in the property and then leveraged that line of credit to flip houses and do burrs. So I just really recycled that same line of credit from that first house to build a lot of the beginning stages of my portfolio. And uh, fast forward, we've got 65 doors now um, and we are both financially free, my wife and I. Nice, congrats. And, thank you, thank you. And that, and that has introduced like a whole nother host of, you know, you, you call them problems. They're not really like, these are problems people are, you know, I'm blessed to have these problems, but it, it does. It opens up a whole nother host of problems as to like, now I have this business and it is my primary focus. And when you have this business and I also coach and teach people how to invest in real estate and have courses. And so when you're running all these things, like I spend more time working now than I did when I didn't have it, when I had a day job. And yeah. so like trying to figure out how to position yourself within your business to where you're not having to do everything is, has been a new challenge for us, but we're, we're, we're taking it on a day at a time. And I'd, I'd like to think we're making some progress, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a new adventure and we're enjoying it. Yeah. See, I like the wording that you're using. Cause you know, I hear it over and over again, but our words are what creates our reality. Right. And the way you're wording on that, because you said, you know, problems, but you don't like to use that. And then you talked about adventure and, uh, you know, challenges. Yes. And I had read something recently where it's like when, when you, you know, have growth and when you come across new things, you, it's really like we, we like to call them problems, a lot of us, but really it's just more decisions, right? It's, it's actually just new decisions that we have to make. It's not even a problem. It's actually a decision, right? Like we just got to decide what the heck to do, and that's that's really the the situation, right? It's not something you've already decided before, and you've because you've encountered it, and you already know what you need to do. It's just new decisions. So I love that that your your mindset and 
you know, the way you're seeing that, you know, my really growth minded. My, my old day job really kind of helped me have a similar mindset. So for, for those who don't know, like I was in IT, but I was in IT for Walmart. And so Walmart's one of the largest employers in the world. And I helped do software design and different things for, for Walmart. But Walmart culture is kind of this like this, this notorious thing, like they have this great culture. But one of the things they don't allow you to say are problems. So when you run into roadblocks or obstacles, they, they, they refer to them in the Walmart world as, as opportunities. So when you hear somebody say, we're having some opportunities, it really means they're having some challenges, but they make you say opportunities because it's true, it's what it is, right? It's an opportunity to take something and figure out how to make it better and figure out how to overcome those problems, those, those issues. And so they, they never let us call it that. So you kind of get that mindset. But it's true, right? Because it's um, the frustration comes in feeling like you've gotten to, well, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I feel like I got to a point where I've overcome enough and I should be good to where I'd never face any more problems yeah. right? or even opportunities. Right, right. right? But it's like at that point, what are you doing, right? You might as well, right. might, we might as well go to an, like live in a retirement home. Yeah, or hang it up. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. Let's, let's talk more about it. So you you created some some training, some courses. You had said, we talked before this and you were saying that people are asking you typically the same questions. So you created some training around that and that's been doing really well. Right. And so you're, explain where you're at with your businesses and your time. Like yeah, focusing 100%. on how much is required of you and what you've had, the changes you've, opportunities you've had to, yeah. uh, to do things differently. Yeah, so... Um... I was doing a lot of consultation calls with people and in those consultation calls, I would, I would get the same two questions typically. Right. And people want to know, how are you finding your deals? How are you funding your deals? And so what I decided to do was to go ahead and create some courses. And I didn't even call them courses at the time. It was, but essentially that's what they are. But I, I created something where somebody could go watch and learn some information at a base level. And then if they had questions, then it could come back to me and then we could have a more meaningful conversation rather than having to answer the same two questions all the time. And that did a couple of things, right? It helped weed out the people who weren't serious about doing something with the information I was going to provide them, right? And so when I did have people go and take those courses and come back, we were able to really help those people um, because they were, they were acting on the information. And uh, so as those courses started to sell, like what are we doing? A thousand dollars a month to two thousand to five thousand, and now we're doing ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month in sales. And so, like, it, it was just a way to kind of weed people out and kind of make sure I have better conversations. And then it turned into this whole business, right? And so then I had to look at it from a business perspective, but that meant spending time on it and building more courses and flushing out more information and. I was finding that the amount of time that I was having to spend to do all that stuff on the front side was taking away from the time that I was typically spending on the real estate business because we're still actively buying properties. We're still actively, you know, building our rental portfolio and flipping houses. And so what I found was that like, I hit a wall where I was like, the only way I'm going to be able to do both is that I need more of me, right? Which means I need to hire somebody. And that was the first time I was really faced with that decision. I hadn't, like, I've always been able to just figure it out. And I knew that if I just tried to figure this out, I was going to drop the ball in one of those two arenas. And I felt like they were too important to drop the ball in any space. And so what we have done so far 
is we brought on my sister-in-law. So she was just graduating college. She just graduated college. And, you know, like most people who graduate college, they, they still need a job, right? She's looking for work. And, um, and, but part of her study was in real estate. And so being able to hire her and help her and have her do the property management took a big weight off our shoulders because we manage our own portfolio. And so now I'm not having to answer the phone calls from tenants. Um, she kind of manages all that. She manages filling vacancies. And yeah, we're training her up as we go. So there's some time spent on the front side with training, but that's that stuff goes away as she gets up to speed, right? And so that takes that ball off my plate. And then I also was able to, able to hire some virtual assistants to help with uh content and like creating content and posting it to my social media because social media is important because it's really the lifeblood of my business of my coaching and, and of my courses program right the main driver of people to my courses comes through my social media and they come to my social media because i provide value to people and so being able to provide value to people for free is what is what pulls people in and i didn't want to lose sight of being able to do that, but there are ways you can you can automate some of that. And so we've got people that kind of help with some video production from a VA standpoint, people that help with getting some things posted and scheduling posts out for us. And then I focus on the things that are really the big money makers in the business, which is creating the courses and which is evaluating deals and making offers, right? Those are the things in both businesses that bring in, bring in the, the, the most return on investment. And so hiring people to do some of those outside things focuses me, focuses, allows me to focus on those high dollar activities. Mm. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you're coming on the show right now because I'm going to talk to you afterwards about the social media stuff. I actually just broke down because I started doing more. I wasn't very active in social media for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just started doing more with that. And so I, I looked at, okay, well, how much time am I spending here with all this stuff? And it actually came out to 21 hours per week already. Yeah. You know, that, that should not be on my plate. Right. You know, and so that's, and it's going to scale up to at least 40 hours a week. And so I need, you know, I'm already at that point where it's like, okay, it's time to stop doing all this. Like, yeah, man. You know, so yeah. I'm even like, I'm, and that's why this show even exists is to like look at <laughs> these places where, hey, we got to look at what's going on and, and go past all this stuff. So, some people listening might be like, really, you still do all that stuff? But yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, because I do have beliefs around what are they going to post? Like, I'm still right. going to have to say, hey, that, that doesn't make any sense or that doesn't fit with what we're trying to. But that can all be figured out, right? Like you're absolutely. Thing. So what what are you doing or or who's involved in your real estate business? And is that kind of taking you know, you're slowing that down right now while you build this other one up or what's all going on with your real estate business? It's actually the opposite. We're actually ramping it up. We're, we're increasing our marketing right now. Um, just with the, with the state of the market, right? So the market's super hot. Everybody knows that the market's hot, right? So even distressed sellers know that the market's hot. That doesn't mean there aren't good deals. It just means that there's less of them because some of those people are going to go ahead and try their try their luck on the market because people are still buying fixer uppers at a crazy high, right? Mm -hmm. Cost per square foot. So what does that mean? It means if you want to get good deals, the people who are consistent and who are consistent in their marketing, consistent in their follow up, consistent in their making offers 
offering on the spot, right? Those people are the ones who are finding the deals. It, it, it used to be a year ago, you know, you can do a little bit of marketing, right? You can make a couple of offers and you'll probably land a deal or two, right? It doesn't work like that anymore. There's less of them. So the people who are getting them are consistent. And so we're ramping up our marketing um, right now in order to make sure that we can stay competitive and make sure that we can continue to, to bring in deals. Um, but the benefit to that real estate business is I did have processes in place on the real estate side because I had a day job, right? And I had to be able to grow my real estate business and have it not impact my day job heavily. And so uh, marketing for the most part is on autopilot. Um, we, we, I've got a team of people out that drive for dollars for me. That's my main list. Um, and so they go out and they drive for dollars and then my mail is pretty much automated either through deal machine or I have a third party uh, direct mail person that I use to send mail. Um, so it's more about like answering the phones, evaluating the deals, and then going out and looking at properties and making offers. And, um, uh, and right now, man, I, I, the, the phones don't ring a ton and it's in my, you know, I don't, I can stop you know, creating content to answer a five minute phone call and set an appointment, right? And then I just set the appointments at times in my calendar that I have designated as free. And I've learned that like, even when you have a day job, your calendar is important. When you don't have a day job, your calendar is way more important. <laughs> like, cause I, I was doing things where I'd just be like, oh yeah, man, I've got time Monday. Let's just figure it out. And then Monday comes and I'm like, I have no time Monday and I'm canceling appointments. And so I live and die by my calendar right now. Yeah. And so I just set aside blocks of time when I know I can go look at houses. And so if somebody wants to, wants me to come out and look, I've got an hour or two every other day or so where I know I can get out there within 24 hours to look at a house and make an offer. Nice. And you had, you had said, I, I don't know that you mentioned during the show, but I know before you said you just went full time four months ago. Yeah. What, what took so long? <laughs> it was same for me so I'm, I'm not saying that in a, in a yeah no 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 yeah so so um you know we've got 65 doors and um uh, i could have retired sooner but i didn't want to have to live off my real estate money i like being able to scale i like being able to reinvest everything we make back into going and acquiring more property and if i had to stop and take a salary or live off that real estate money it was going to slow us down and it was gonna, uh, it would have hurt from a financing perspective too, right? Like I've only been investing for three and a half, going on four years. So just over three and a half years, you know, they want two years of tax returns, you know, if you're gonna do some kind of self-employed thing. And so had I quit sooner, it would have been a lot harder. Mm. Um, and, I, and, I, and I enjoyed what I did, so I didn't have to quit. But once I started doing courses and coaching, the income from those, uh, income potential from those was substantially higher than what I was making from my day job. And so it allowed me to transition into the coaching and the courses and using that as my income. So I still don't have to touch my real estate investment money. Nice, nice. And what, um, so, so you have that marketing, like you said, you, you're not spending a lot of time. How did you structure you know, the people doing driving for dollars for you. And is that sort of like your main source of, of finding your deals? Yeah, man, that's my main list right now. So I'm trying something new. We had talked a little bit off air. I'm, I'm, I'm going into some uh, 
some cold calling. So having a third party service do cold calling for me. But all that really entailed was just pulling a list and you have to pull a list in volume because they're going to be churning and burning. Right. And so I took my list out of deal machine and then I pulled extra lists um, and I just have to drop those off to them. And then that's it. They'll email me leads and then I'll call the leads and set the appointments. Um, so even that is typically hands off once you give them your marketing list and then I'm going to have my sister-in-law manage that list. So as people need to be pulled off the list because they don't want to be bothered anymore or as we start making offers, she'll kind of manage and update uh, that list. But I heard you have some sort of CRM thing that we can talk about. So <laughs> that might help with that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's for, yeah, for the leads come in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to be trying that. And then, but uh, as far as my drivers, so I've got, I've probably got about eight drivers, but only two to three that drive super consistently. Um, but that's all I really need. Um, that direct, that driving for dollars list is my best performing list. Um, and so I've uh, trained them on what to look for when they're out driving. They can do it whenever they feel like it. I pay them $2 per house they identify. Now I go through and I make sure that they're not, you know, you know, picking every house on the block, right? Like they know what I'm looking for. And then, um, so basically as they find a house, it goes into my list and then I can go and look at the picture and determine if it's, a, if it's one I wanna mail. But the three drivers who do it consistently know what I'm looking for. And, I, and I, you have to do that less and less really as they continue to drive for you. And so they go and identify houses. I pay them $2 per house they identify. And then if I buy a house that they identify, I pay them $500. Um, and so uh, that's been working well for me. We've been doing that for almost a year now and we've bought several deals, uh, several deals from that list. Nice. And yeah, and you're not having to, to do all that. So the criteria I'm assuming is, is more of like, this is obviously vacant. Like there's no yeah. question it's vacant, right? Not yeah. just peeling paint. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I have, I have some things that I, that I like to look for and that I train them to look for. So I like, I like houses with uh, window unit, AC units, right? Multiple window unit, AC units, not just one in like a converted garage because most garages don't have heat and air, but if they've got them in the windows of the main house, that's somebody I want to talk to, right? Um, so even if it's like occupied, you want you talking to them? Yeah, absolutely. Right. The assumption there is your HVAC is probably not working, and you aren't fixing it because it's expensive. And if you've got deferred maintenance on that, there's it might be an indicator that there's more deferred maintenance in the house and things you might not want to be paying to fix. And so uh, that level of distress tends to be a pretty good motivator. Um, I like beat up garage doors, right? So even if you're living there, if your garage door is pretty beat up, garage doors tend to be expensive and they're an eyesore. If you're okay with people, you know, seeing your garage door being the first thing they see and how, how and that be the impression they have of your home, then the inside probably might not look much better, which is a good sign of distress. And those are people I like talking to as well. Oh, that's interesting. So um, of, of the ones that you've bought from the driving for dollars, how many do you have a rough idea percentage that the, there was nobody living in it versus there were people living in it? I, the majority of the houses I buy are occupied. Occupied. Very, very, yeah. I would say 80% of the houses I buy are occupied. Huh. Yeah, that's, I like that. I like that whole strategy. And uh that's pretty interesting. And I would imagine that the ones that are occupied typically need maybe a little bit less work than things that are obviously vacant. Because usually Some, it's obviously You would vacant. think. It's you a, would it's think, but sometimes everything. not. Yeah. 
<laughs> Some people don't want to, yeah, work on a house that's been vacant for 30 years. But uh, yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, and then what, so in your business, you're still handling the calls, you're still handling the, the going on appointments, making the offers, following up, um, and you, you manage the rehabs as well? Uh, so I've outsourced that for the most part. I've got a uh, contractors and man, they're just hard to find. And so I've got a guy, I've got two crews right now. Um, one is more of an in-house crew and one is a, a third party that I use. Um, so the in-house crew, he was a guy who actually reached out to me because he had saw me on the bigger pockets podcast. And he recently moved from California into this area. And he was like, man, I loved your episode. And now I live here. Let's meet up. And he was like, I've got a painting company. He was like, I'd love to just like, if I can exchange some paint work for you kind of giving me some game, let's do it. And I was like, that piqued my interest. And so I met up with him and he did a couple of jobs for me. Um, and all I had to pay was, um, I had to pay labor and materials, right? He didn't put any markup on it, uh, just enough to make sure his guys could get paid. And then we exchanged, you know, I helped kind of guide him from a real estate perspective. And he did such a good job that I was like, hey, bud, like how much work do I have to throw at you, right? So that you can just work for me. And so now he charges me, obviously. He's not, I'm not just paying labor and materials, but I give him enough work so that he just works for me and works on my jobs. And he's got kind of a, uh, you know, he, his crew can do everything, paint, handyman stuff, the big stuff and the little stuff. And so we just kind of worked out an arrangement where uh, I'll keep you busy and I'll keep paying you what you need to sustain your business and to grow grow your business. And uh, you, you just keep working for me. And so we've kind of. Yeah, that's a great relationship. But, you know, that's how we've typically done it as well. I mean, the the contractor we've had right now that we've had for, for, I don't know, like six, seven, eight years, maybe more. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when you do that, I mean, it just makes their lives so much easier too. They're not, because a big thing for contractors is getting new work, like getting yeah. new contracts. I mean, that's just like, and most of them hate doing it. Yeah. They're not business people, right? They don't right. want to do that. Right. They just want to go to work and, and, and pay their guys and kind of, and I give them, I give them decision power too. Like once the trust is built, like, you know what I like, you know, what needs to be done. Yep. Right. So he doesn't have to worry about calling me for, you know, a couple hundred dollars extra here and there. He just takes care of it. He sends me the bill. There's trust there and we get the jobs done. And that's and that's the thing, right? That's kind of what we're highlighting here. in this conversation is having that even that relationship saves you a bunch of mental effort and decision making, because now you've empowered him to make decisions for you right. to a certain extent, because he's got the experience now. Um, what what are you doing? Are you keeping track of, I guess the better question is, are you running your business with any sort of uh, business like model, like uh, entrepreneur operating system traction or anything? No, no, I should be. Uh, it, it, given, given my technology background, I should have it in place, but I, I do not. I've, I've always been a kind of ready, fire, aim, and then put the pieces together on, uh, you know, as I'm going. And so, yeah, uh, tracking is something that is going to be much more important now going forward because hey we've got more time to focus on it and um and uh just that that's if you're not measuring it right how do you know if you're being successful and even just sitting here talking to you um when we were talking about marketing and you asked me like what percentage of uh the homes that we buy are vacant 
I had never thought about that. And so when I answered 80%, like I legitimately believe we buy way more houses occupied than not. But like now I'm going, well, why don't I change up my marketing and stop buying lists that have vacant lists because my time is better spent looking for the occupied homes because that's where, so it's just, it's just even in that conversation, it's got me thinking like, I need to go focus more on the things that, that are returning results. Yeah, it's the, the, the having the time to, to really look at those things. I get interested too, like when, when we had that interchange, that's the kind of stuff that's like, boom, you know, light goes off. Like, wow, if we, we tightened up this stuff, like why are we wasting energy on the stuff that right. we're not even converting into deals? You know, it's right. looking at those things and, and changing up the way your, your business up. Because then it's way more efficient because every time we have to do more marketing to get more leads, to get more deals, it's introducing you know the effort to do the marketing right cost of that the cost and all the effort of taking the calls going to the appointments researching all those properties there's a lot of stuff that gets wiped out if you if you aren't getting anything from that right right exactly man all right so where where are you taking like what are the next steps for you then as because you're in this stage of you know, your time is, is, uh, it's important for you to get into business owner mode and make these decisions. So where, what's your mm -hmm. plan? And if, and if it's still just a fuzzy thing, like what's your thought process right now, even if, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. what, what are you going through right so, now? Uh, I mean, I can, t I can touch on both businesses and kind of maybe tie it together if that's what you're looking for. So for the real estate investment business, I've always had a high level goal of, once I hit 100 doors, we're going to look at how many of those doors it would make sense to sell to pay off the rest, right? So mm -hmm. if I can sell 50 to pay off 50, 50 free and clear, it's going to cash flow better than 100 leveraged. And it's going to reduce the workload, right? And it's going to, because then if the market tanks, it doesn't matter. I don't have any loans, right? If I need to lower rents, I can lower rents. Um, and so from our real estate investment business, once we hit hundred doors, we'll kind of evaluate what that looks like. Now, it doesn't mean we're gonna stop buying. I'll probably still continue to buy after we kind of trim the fat and figure those things out. But getting my portfolio to a point where I know I, I own this section of my portfolio is important to me. Um, and then on the coaching business, because um, I'm already full-time and, you know, wiser than I was before. I'm starting to set that business up now so that it kind of runs itself and allows me to focus where it's most important. And so that's why we've got the virtual assistants helping with social media. I've got another virtual assistant who all she does is she builds my funnels, right? But she focuses on building my sales funnels. I've got, um, and then I start, I just hired an email person. All she's going to do is take the emails that we're collecting through our sales funnels and she's going to start marketing to them in, in, through, through email marketing, right? And so it's about like having the whole process in place where people are connecting with my email list or with my customers, um, doing that legwork so that I can focus on what's important, which is the whole reason they're in the funnel or in the email list in the first place, which is the content that they're trying to either purchase or consume, right? And so if I can focus on creating that, and then once all I have to do is create it once, and then my team, you know, focuses on, I got one person doing email, one person building the funnel, like all these people keep these balls in the air, 
all I have to do is focus on creating the content. Um, and then it just kind of creates, it's the same, like the sales funnel is the similar to the real estate funnel, right? You have to have the deals coming in, right? At, at, at the top of your funnel and then they, they, they fall out and then you get deals at the bottom. It's the same thing with the sales funnel is making sure that I'm producing quality content that adds value to people's lives. And then they get to come pick and choose how they want to consume that content. I've got free content. I've got, you know, content that's very expensive. And then you've got content that costs more, right? It's all about convenience. Um, and so people get to then come into the funnel and decide how they want to do that. And if I can stay focused on just the important parts, it helps everybody. Yeah, and that's, that's the message, I think, right? For, you know, th when you talked about the marketing piece being handled by other people, because then you're doing the higher leverage things of building rapport with sellers, getting them under right. contract, right? right? Like you're you're doing focused on those things that really matter for you to be doing it. And then you know, eventually if you want to, you can replace those right. you know, yourself with people, acquisitions person and stuff yep. like that. But um, doing the, so you talked about the driving for dollars people, how you compensated them. How are you setting up your VAs on social media and stuff like that to setting them up for success? Like, what is it like for you? Like, what, how are you measuring their results yeah. or what, like what they're doing? And then how are you compensating them? Yeah. So I'm hiring VAs that specialize in those things. And so one of the services, like I use a service that hires VAs. So they're already trained in the things I need them to be trained in. So what does that mean? That means I pay a little more for the VA than if I went and found him myself and had to train them up. But it also means I can hit the ground running and I can get better results sooner. And so I use a third party service that trains these VAs. And so the VAs, and it still allows you to like interview them. And so I, I interviewed the VAs and I hired somebody who specializes in exactly what is it what it is that I want them to do. Um, and so that's kind of helped speed things up uh, from that perspective. And uh, when you uh, and I keep track of the insights and different things on the post to be able to understand what's what works and what's performing, um, but that's also part of their job. So, like, if they post a piece of content and it doesn't perform, my expectation is that their next piece of content is going to be a little different, right? And then if that content performs, then my expectation is that they're going to produce more pieces of content like that one. And so I can just keep an eye on those things, and if I don't see that happening, I can intervene. Yeah. So do you have a reporting in place or are you just using like the Facebook reporting? And yeah, I'm using just what's on Instagram and kind of seeing, kind of seeing what the engagement's like through there. Well, see, and that's the, I think that's the thing, right? Because with me right now, still doing a lot of the creating the post and posting yeah. and sharing and all that kind of stuff that keeps me from looking at those things as much. As yeah. should, right? Because now that you've leveraged, you've got other people doing that and you're looking at the important thing did this post even do anything, right? Was right. it even something people cared about? Because other, like if it, you know, if it if it wasn't engaged with that much, people don't care and it was a waste of time. If you keep repeating that, it's a lot of time being wasted, yeah. energy and effort. But um, yeah, so I'm glad. Do you mind sharing the name of that service or is that something? That's yeah, absolutely. It's called Reva Global. It's R-E-V-A Global. And I can, I can, I can get you a contact there as well. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that before. Is that a pretty big operation? They're pretty, yeah, they're a pretty solid operation. I'm, I've, I've met the one of the founders at a conference, a real estate conference that I went to, and that's kind of how I found them. 
Cool, cool. And uh, how long have you worked with with them? Probably two or three months now. Not long. We just started. It's we all been started. good. Food. Yeah, no, it's all been great. Awesome. So do they do other stuff related to real estate too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Not just real estate, business in general, but they they uh they're uh the owners of the business are also real estate investors as well. Mm. Okay, so there's probably a bunch of stuff, even if you're not doing training or right. or whatever for use for your especially if you're doing SEO and stuff like that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So anybody listening out there, that may be really helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Um so you've not followed any kind of like you guys have like weekly weekly meetings or any, like what is the management team? Is it you? And yeah, you? so I I meet with my uh, I meet with my contractor once a week, um, and we just talk about kind of what his plan is. And then I uh, there's usually always something that comes up that I need to divert him or somebody from his team to, and so weekly we'll have that conversation. And then my best means like it's easiest to communicate with me via text. So that's kind of how we call audibles during the week is just via text, but we put the game plan together on Mondays typically. And that's kind of what I do with, with most people is we talk on Monday, here's the plan for the week. And then I'll change all that as the week goes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I, the whole traction thing, I just can't recommend it enough. Just even, even if you just get it and do like the level 10 meeting. Yeah. You know, just like changes the way, you know, meetings are, are handled. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just can't recommend it enough. Um, I wanted to to get into some some things related to this transition for you, and if you've experienced any kind of level of anxiety around this transition in your business. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. So like when I first uh, went full time, I would say it took about a week before I felt like, like uh, this has got to change. <laughs> like it was, um, and so the, the heavy anxiety came not because I felt like I shouldn't have quit my job. The heavy anxiety came because like I knew there were high dollar high ticket things that I needed to be focusing on but I was so far in the weeds with all this other stuff that I couldn't even get there and I didn't see a way to get there um, and so the stress came because like like I knew if I didn't get there then there was going to be no point to us even having the business but there were so many other balls I was worried about dropping um, that it was really causing a lot of stress and anxiety and so um the first two, like I said, the first two, that was, so the first thing was hiring my sister-in-law. And I remember uh, the first day that like she took a tenant call, she went and showed a property, she went and ran to Lowe's and got a couple of things. And I was just like, oh, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> oh, so, like it was such a huge relief. Like yeah. even though it was somewhat unstructured what she was doing, just the fact that the three or four things she did on day one were things that I had to do the day before that, like just freed up so much time. And then the second move that was super helpful was my wife leaving her day job because now like I remember I was actually speaking with a coach that kind of gave me the idea, but it kind of made a light bulb go off. Is So when we were talking, 
he was asking me a similar question like what is it what is it that's causing you the most anxiety and I was like I can't even get to the things that are the most important and I feel like I can't just go hire somebody there are things that a VA can't do like I need done with Henry's touch right I need done with like there's relationships I don't want to lose right there's so I can't just hand over a task to somebody who doesn't understand me right not just my business but understand me and how I would do business and he was like it sounds like you need to hire another Henry and and he was like what's your wife doing and I was like boom light bulb right and I was like so it was like in that moment I remember after I got off that call I went and I talked to my wife and I said hey let's figure out what we got to do for you to not work anymore right and so not long after that she put her in notice and so now she kind of handles a lot of the things um, from my real estate business that I would typically handle without having to sacrifice the relationships without having to sacrifice how I would want things done because she's an extension of me in that business and so now I can really focus on what's most important mm. yeah that's big and I think even if it's if it's not a wife right you know just trusting that somebody else empowered in the right way right because you trust your wife right. i would imagine right absolutely <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like an easier way to 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 transition that but i struggle with the same exact thing like it was you know, that was the biggest thing for me to even hire somebody for acquisitions like i just i just had this whole thing like i don't know how it, it is even at all remotely possible that somebody would do as good a job as me and then not just want to go off and do it themselves. Right, right. Because that, I mean, that's a lot of the businesses, but it's not, you realize that there's a lot more to the business, right? You, if you can't generate the leads, have the money lined up, yeah. there, there's all kinds of stuff. But, but even that's like a, a, you know, that's coming at it from the perspective of the fear side of it, right? Yeah, it's the you know, opposite and, of abundance, right? Yeah, and so so changing that perspective, and and thank God I finally did from from help from friends that kind of slapped me enough saying, hey, get over it, like get over yourself, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's time to to let go, and I'm still learning that, man. Like I'm still doing the social media stuff, and I'm still I'm still learning it, right? I've got excuses. I say, well, you know this, and I've got all kinds of excuses why I haven't done it, but I'm committed now, and I'm going to say that on this podcast that I'm going to be getting somebody to do the social media within a couple of weeks and uh, get that off my plate. Awesome. All right. So with your, um, your two businesses really doing well and you're trusting other people to do some of these things so that you can get to the things that creating you the anxiety is, is the, the not getting to these important pieces that are involved with working on the business. Right. And so now that you are building out the uh, the help so that you have time to work on the business what do you want to do like what do you want to do to work on the business what do i want to do with the time that i'm not working on the business or what no i mean if you if you didn't have to do any of the work in the business at all mm -hmm. what would you do oh man um uh so here's what i would do so I feel like everybody says content is king, right? And that's true. Content is 100% king. I think that COVID sped up the online education space by about three to five years, right? 
because people who weren't comfortable learning in an online environment had to get comfortable with it during COVID. People who weren't comfortable teaching in an online environment had to get comfortable teaching in it. Schools, not just people, but businesses, schools. Everybody had to figure out some sort of online curriculum. Everybody had to figure out how you're gonna get your information from an online space. And so like that level of comfortability just boom, accelerated, right? And so now it's a thing. Now everybody's cool with learning online. Everybody's cool with learning from different people online, different styles online, right? To me, there's just so much opportunity in the online education space. And I feel like everybody has something. Everybody's got something up here that they know better than other people. And everybody's got something right here that connects them to those other people. So you've just got to figure out how to get what's here to here. And I think that, uh, so, so to ask what I would do is I'm, I'm creating all the content I can possibly create. Even if I don't have an outlet for it, even if it doesn't fit in the Instagram space or in the YouTube space, whatever, it's just getting the information from here into a place where I can monetize it eventually because I think we're going to move into a space where it's going to where people companies platforms are going to be looking for people like us who have content and they want to be able to put that like you know like a Netflix or something but for kind of like I think we don't quite know where this space is going and the people who have the content banked are the ones who are going to be the winners so that's I would just focus all my attention on creating content and banking it yeah. Currency. Yeah, so I expected whenever I asked the question, you know, what would you do if you're working all on the business and not in the business? You know, I expected the structured approach to, you know, how, how you would run maybe even just like the real estate business. But what I like about your answer is because you just gave an answer that basically lays out very high level strategy right it's seeing the bigger picture right and then i think that's that's ultimately really the answer right because you're or the answer that that most of us should come to because when you free up the ability to work on the business that's really your job is to to be able to see out and see what's next what's what should we be right. looking at what are we working on <clears throat> and is that going to help us get to where we want to go or is there a better way beautiful All yeah right. yeah no 100% right for me real estate's tried and true it's going to be there it's been there for decades it's going to continue to be there are there going to be slight adjustments that we need to make in our approach absolutely but real estate's going to be tried and true I'm always going to take the money I make somewhere else and go invest it in real estate and I don't and I'm not a guy like I don't want a ginormous portfolio of 10,000 doors that's not my end goal like I told you, I want to get to a hundred and sell off half, right? And sure, I'll keep growing. And so like, I don't, if I freed up my time, spending that time growing my real estate business isn't necessarily what I want. I like the speed at which we're growing now, right? But being able to be ready for what's coming next in the technology space and in just the, in the world at, at whole, like that's, that's super fun and super valuable. I'm just wanting to be ready for that because then I can take the money I make and go buy my real estate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I used to say I'm gonna like I'm doing everything that I'm doing with software and everything else to to put into real estate, but recently I switched to to crypto. Yeah, putting everything into crypto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. I think we talked about that, right? Yeah. Like, the whole thing is everybody like I'm glad oh, I did man. not put everything into crypto now, but um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Henry, thanks for being on the show. If uh, anybody listening wants to reach out to you what's the best way for them to contact you yeah uh the instagram so you can hit hit me on instagram i'm at the henry washington on instagram and you can also check me out on my website www.henrywashington.com and i've got a free book there for everybody if they want to go get it nice everybody go and get it this guy knows his stuff and i uh, appreciate you sharing and then also you know sharing you know, some of those questions people don't like to answer sometimes with the yeah. anxiety or the fears that we have. So I appreciate and, it. And, and before and before we go, I just want to say uh, publicly thanks to Danny. Uh, when I when I first uh, got started investing, Danny gave me a shot to be on his his show. He's the first podcast I ever did, and uh, you know, I, he didn't know he didn't really know me from Adam, but kind of gave me gave me that that stage, and I can't appreciate him more for that. And so I'm I'm, I'm happy to be back, and I and I and I come back again. This this guy's podcast really got me going into real estate the flipping junkie podcast really resonated with me when i first started helped me a ton and so this is this is a good guy here and i just want to make sure that that i appreciate him oh man i appreciate that thank you yes sir thank you so much all right well we'll be in touch have a good one henry thanks sir all right, everybody. Thanks to Henry for that. Hope you enjoyed listening to his story and the cool things he's has going on and what that's like for him to make that transition to building out his businesses to where he's able to focus on the more important things. Um, and if you haven't booked a demo and you would like to see Forefront CRM because you keep hearing about it and you're thinking, ah, maybe I should check that out. You should head over to ForefrontCRM.com and click on the link to book a demo. We'd love to show you the power of our system and why you know I've been giving demos to to people that I've that I've known for a little while uh, recently and I'm telling you all of them I'm not just saying this either even though it sounds like something that I would definitely want to say but they've told me after seeing it we've looked at all these other systems pretty much everything else out there and I'm telling you like this is the best looking and the usability of this is just beats everything blows everything out of the water and so if you want to see what is why that is that people are saying that, I'm telling you, this is not just your normal CRM. Go and check it out, ForefrontCRM.com, and click on the book a demo. We'd love to show you it. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.